17. Paul said, Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for the opportunity to bring your word. I pray that you will just fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you'll help me, help me to share this message through your, through your Spirit to bring you glory and draw your people closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With Paul's Roman soldier armor analogy in mind, he says in verse 15, and with your feet fitted, he's talking about sandals or shoes, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Paul is referring to military sandals worn by the Roman soldiers. They were fitted with special footwear. And we need to see this. This footwear was made out of, it was like half boot and half sandal. And the sole was very thick. Some say that, that some commentaries, that the soles were like three layers of leather on the bottom to protect them from stepping on a sharp stone or other objects, and also walking on rough terrain. Then it says, and what? And the soles were had what? They were studded hobnails. You know what a hobnail is? Chris, I know you know what a hobnail is. You know, he enjoys, he's got the goat, so he's got to know a hob. Well, a hobnail is, if you, if you took the Roman shoe, the boot, you turn it over, the sole had these little, little spikes or whatever in them. They're all over the bottom of, of their soles, of the shoe. And so these sturdy shoes help the soldier to dig his feet in, you know, to hold his position in battle, in combat. So that was very, very important part of it. Now, in my day, in my day, you know, playing football, you know, and I must say this, we, when I played, it wasn't the leather helmet with no face guard. We did have the face guards. But anyway, the shoes, we know the football shoes were equipped with cleats. And of course, the purpose was to prevent the athlete from slipping when faced with a, you know, uh, a blocking resistance. And that is important for us to understand because when you look at the, the footwear of the football player and then the Roman soldier, that we see this. We see that if, if we as Christians are to be successful against the devil's attacks, we must fit ourselves and be firmly grounded in the shoes or the gospel of peace, according to Paul. So that is very important for us to see. And so we're talking about, you know, in fitting for, for peace and those shoes. It is so, so very important because if we're not, we're going to miss 
We're going to miss God's presence. We're going to miss his power. And what's going to happen? Satan's going to get in there and he's going to start pushing us around. So the first thought I have is the great stabilizer. And the great stabilizer, I want to look at Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Jesus said, and this is very familiar to us, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the bodies? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Listen, as believers, we're called to look to Jesus for care and trust him for our well-being. Here, Jesus' call to trust God is the answer. Listen, is the answer to our tendency to worry. That's our answer. Trust God. You know, and I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm the same way. Sometimes we worry, don't we? We know, we know what we know. The Bible says, don't worry, don't worry. Trust God, don't worry. Trust God, don't worry. And here we are, then we're in that worry mode. That happens to all of us. But that does not change the fact that God says, if you trust in him, he will take that worry and keep it in perspective. Jesus knows we're going to worry, but he reminds us that you can control your worry through faith in God. See what I'm saying? And I think I need to be reminded of this. I really do. Verse 27, Jesus said, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Jesus was saying, Worry will not buy us more time on this earth. In fact, it might sh- uh, shorten it. Proverbs 3, 5, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will keep what? Your path straight. Trust, trust, trust. Get a concordance. Look up trust. And how many times it's mentioned in the word of God. Yes. Yes. Jesus is our great stabilizer. But we must trust in his sovereign providence. We must trust in his grace. We must trust in his truth. We must trust in his peace. We must trust in his love. We must trust in his strength. And we must trust that he, listen, He is always on our side no matter what. No matter what we do, where we are, we need to trust when we're going through the fires, we need to trust him. If we don't, guess who's going to sneak in? You know, it's always, you know, trust the Lord, trust, trust, trust. I love that. You know, sometimes I overpray that myself. I say, Lord, forgive me for not trusting you or whatever because... For me, that word is is so important. How do we arm ourselves, number two, 
How do we arm ourselves with this gospel of peace? Now, I want us to look at Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. First, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Friends, we are living in troubled and confusing times. We are surrounded by peace, pain, indifferent. They all kind of, you know, peace, pain, indifference, hatred, deception, persecution, and more. And Isaiah reminds us we can know perfect peace in the midst of chaos because of what? Because of verse 4. Trust, again, the word trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Jesus Christ comes to us in the midst of our struggles, our temptations, our discouragements, and speaks what? He speaks peace to us. My peace I give you. In doing so, he gives us encouragement that lifts our spirits and keeps our hope alive. Do you have hope? Do you have someone in your life or you know someone who's constantly in turmoil? They're always a mess. And Jesus is saying you need to experience peace. See if I can get this story correctly, because I'm hearing this secondhand from Jan. Jan meets every now and then with three other women. They all went to grade school. She's known them since they were, what, four, five, six, seven years old. And so they get together, maybe, well, whatever, it doesn't matter, but they get together on a, on a pretty regular basis. But the problem is this, with this group of women, two of them go to church. Now, that's not the problem. Two of them go to church. <laughs> I know. You can't say the wrong things, you know, because you turn around, you'd be, well, anyway. And the other one is so skeptical of God. In fact, she is one that, well, anyway. So they were having lunch in this restaurant, and suddenly one of the gals has an anxiety attack. And Jan said it was really, it was unbelievably a very uncomfortable time. And she said, if this girl, this woman's having an anxiety attack, the other two women were just looking at her, so Jan was trying to deal with the anxiety attack. And the, the background with this group is that Jan is the outsider because of her faith walk. There's a lot to be said about going to church and then walking in the faith. That's all I'm going to say about that. And so Jan is trying to settle her down, talk about praying, whatever, and this woman was getting frustrated. You know, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, the world's a mess, I'm confused, I'm whatever. And Jan, have you tried praying, reading the Bible? Well, yes, yes, but this not, nothing's working, nothing's working, nothing's working. What do you do? What do you do if you're a Christian? What do you do? If you say, well, have you read the Bible? Oh, Jeanette, you're really going through a messy time right now. Just read your Bible and everything will be fine. Some people say, well, that is very, very discouraging because you're like holier than thou. 
You think just by saying, read the Bible, or whatever, my life's going to be fine. To them, that's truth because they're not there. They're not in the faith. They don't understand when you say that, that it's truth. Okay, you with me? Good, I'm glad you are because I'm lost now. <laughs> Go back to my notes here and see where we're at here. Um, Jesus brings peace in the heat of battle. Now, I look out here and know for many of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Probably all of you. Jesus brings peace in the heat of battle. He will never forsake us. He's always consistent. But as believers, we are going to be walking in the midst of battles. Whether it be family, whether it be job, whatever it might be, there's going to be landmines out there. And Jesus said, it's in those landmines, are you going to experience my peace? Are you going to feel my peace? My, my peace? Are you going to trust my peace? Are you going to embrace it for your lives? Because that's how you overcome. Now, I can only speak for myself. But, and I don't, Jan, you know what I'm going to say, but but if anybody needs to have a peace spoken to them, what Jesus can do, it's that woman there. She's the one. Because I've seen peace in, in my wife under the most adverse circumstances I can ever imagine. And she feels peace. So, when I get a little bit, you know, I can go to my wife, and we can talk about peace, because I want her peace. I know her peace, and she did the same thing to me. That's one thing we learned going through our issues with, with loss and whatever, is to find God's peace. We need it so desperately to find his peace, and we found it because we asked him for it. Amen? And amen. Now, I only have three points. We're on the third one. But if you're starting to applaud and think, well, we're almost done, hold on. Uh, but I think this one, all of them are important. But listen to this. Okay, we're going to talk about growing in peace. And we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And we're going to break this down. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since members of one body, you are called to what? You are called to peace. It's so true. Our hearts are so, so complex. Our hearts are flooded with, with passion, with love, with fear, with hope, with joy. And at the same time, we can experience jealousy, cynicism, and concern even, even more. Amen? How are we to harmonize all of these feelings that come into our hearts? Paul says Jesus' peace is our balance for handling crisis. You go for the peace. God, I'm not feeling peace. you got to find this peace. I do. When I'm, go when I'm in turmoil, I'm a mess, 
if I can't find God's peace. I don't search for a miracle of healing. I say, God, I need your peace. I need your peace. I need your presence. That's what I want. That's what I strive for. Ah. Peace is everything to me. If I don't have God's peace, how can I get along with you? If you don't have God's peace in your heart, then how can you get along with others? How does that work? It all goes together. If I have peace in my heart, that means I'm right with Jesus. Not perfect, but I'm right with him because I'm experiencing his peace. And therefore, by experiencing his peace, I can share that peace with others. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Now, he starts off with, friends, dwelling in the word of God is central. Therefore, pastors, teachers, all Christians are to be grounded in the word of God. I mentioned a few weeks ago how that is not the case for even Christians today. A very small percentage of Christians are reading the Word of God. You cannot grow in the Word of God the way he wants you to grow on the, co- on the coattails of someone else. You need to be in the Word. If you struggle with the Word, that's okay. Go to a brother, a sister in Christ. Go to Chris. You know, and say, hey, I'm struggling with this verse. Go to John. I'm really struggling with this. What do you think? Come to me. Come to Jan or others here. It's, we're all here for each other, right? Maybe someone else can give you an insight that you are missing. But it's so, so important that we understand this. Grounded in the words, so that it, according to verse 16 so that it dwells in you richly in wisdom. What is wisdom? I say my definition of wisdom, Christian wisdom, is applied knowledge of the word of God. You know, we pray for wisdom. We want wisdom. I say get into the word of God. Get in and listen to what it says. Read it. Study it. Then apply it. Every day in your life, you will be in God's wisdom. That's what God wants for you and for me. Teaching and admonishing each other. I love that, Paul said. You know, one part of being up here with you guys is, I, I, I'm, I'm, you guys are so rich in your knowledge of the word of God. Uh, and so, in, in many ways, it makes it easy in many ways, it makes it a little bit challenging, if you know what I'm, what you know what I'm saying. But we're called to, I think, understand what I'm trying to say here. We had some uh, of our dear friends uh, over for uh, supper the other night. And you know about them. Some of you do, because I asked you to pray for them. My, one of my best friends, if not my best friend, uh, was in a store, and he just dropped. 
His heart stopped. And it was by a miracle that they brought him back. Um, with that, he has anxiety. And God told me years before that, that I'm to look after this man. Literally, that God said, you take care of him, you watch him. And so Ken is kind of like my, not project, but he's the one that God told me, so I don't want to let God down, I don't want to let Ken down. So anyway, they come over to the house, I, being the host, they ring the doorbell, I go to the door, open it up, smile, and I say, hey, good to see you guys. Just like that, I, my discernment kicked in. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. They said, hello, but one of the superficials, hello. And I could see it in Ken's eyes. He was not doing well. He really was. He wasn't doing well. And his wife, Nancy, she wasn't either. I thought, what's going on here? So we sit down. You know, we start having you know, we, our supper together. And we're doing small talk as we all do at the table, whatever. But I'm thinking to myself, when would be the time to try to figure out what's going on? I need to talk to Ken about this. So we finished supper, and then we retired into the library. And we had, just for our, that's our conversation time. And finally, you know, now here, I'm not picking on my brother, but he's hurting. So Ken's on the couch, and Larry, he's like this. And he's hanging on to himself. And I could see, I said, I said, hey, brother. I said, what's going on? I said, something's up. What is it? You know? And I said, I, I, I just sense that you, you are not at peace. You have a lot of anxiety. Oh, he, said, I, he had a lot of anxiety because his blood pressure is up. Now, for some of you may say, oh, this is such a worthless story. But when you are in stress... When you are, you don't have peace, that's a big thing. So, so Jan volunteered. Jan said, you know what, Ken? She said, do you want me to take your blood pressure? And Ken said, yeah, fine. So Jan gets out and takes his, and, and, I, and when Jan said it, I knew this was not going to be a good thing in terms of his anxiety. She said, well, you're 100, what is it? Small number first? Yeah, okay, what, what, what was it, honey? 148 over 100. You got that? Okay, the 100, the small side is the side you really have to be concerned about. That's like 20 over what it should be. So Jan said that. I had a poor Ken, you know, and he was just out of control with anxiety. So we talked about his life, tried to minister to him. I said, Ken, I said, are you doing your, are you walking? He's all, oh, my, my ankles are swelling up. And now and then or whatever, I said, are you walking? You used to be a walker on the treadmill, whatever. He says, no. I said, why did you give that up? You know, you need to be doing these things. It's good for the circulation, et cetera, et cetera. You know where I'm going with it. Trying to get him. And then as we were talking, he started to loosen up a little bit. We started talking about God. Started talking about what God can do. And then at the end of our time together, uh, I said, before you guys leave, we want to pray with you. So we did. They were on the couch, and I took the anointing oil, and I anointed them, and we prayed over them for God's peace, 
his peace in the midst of what they are going through. And God released them. They felt his peace. How many times do we need Jesus' peace when we're not doing well? How many times? I do. So my point, I guess, well, I'm going to finish this one with verse 16 uh, with, with these words. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are called to minister. You are called to serve. But also, you are called to be ministered to. When you need help, when you are not where you know you should be, call out to a brother, sister in Christ, husband, wife, or whatever, and pray and seek God's direction. Amen? Seek his power. You know, the Bible says, as Christ dwells in us, his grace and peace abounds. Our response should be of gratitude, being gracious to others, for Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen and amen. When we are in the right place with Jesus, grace abounds. Peace abounds. We are in a good place. How many times has this happened to you? You say, man, I'm glad that I was, uh, I'm, I shared that I have this burden. And boy, you seem to be spot on today. Because you are in a good place with Christ. Sometimes we're not in that good place. And so we need somebody that is in that good place. We need each other. We, we need to minister. We need to be open to that. Others, that is so, so important. And that, my friends, is I think that makes this church so special. I really do. Now, not all of you are here today, but I don't want to give you the big head. But I have never been in a church and ministered in a church quite like this one. Where your faith overall is rock solid. And when you see how you greet each other and love on each other, how can you deny that? It's a wonderful thing to see how you minister to each other and how I've shared with you, I've talked with somebody just one-on-one, -on -one, and I know how rich your faith is. You know, I can't tell you in prayer on Wednesday nights how if I start naming names, I'm, I'm going I'm to blow it and miss someone's. Why don't you mention my name? But I've seen in this group, people in that prayer, how they minister to each other. It's a beautiful thing to see that because we need it. We need that encouragement, don't we? We just need it. I need it. I need your encouragement. Pastors in general, they need encouragement. Far too often, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, oh, I can, oh, well, I should wrap it up, but I'm just saying this. And I've been on, I've dealt with pastors with burnout. And I see a pastor when they're in a church and all they hear is complaints. 
Oh, by the way, Pastor, we don't like what happened here. Oh, by the way, Pastor, we didn't like this. Oh, by the way, Pastor, we didn't like that. I want to say, stop. Is there something good about your pastor? Why do you have to start off with something that is, that is negative and critical? You know, any pastor in the salt that I say, any pastor that preaches, if they give you a Saturday night special, then they need to be kicked in the pants. Anybody that takes that pulpit, whether it be good or bad, or you think, well, Joe Schmo is better than this guy, as long as that guy is giving it his best, that's enough for God. So if this is not a plea for me, I'm cool. I'm, I'm really cool about that. But I pray for pastors that their churches will support them. In the good times and the hard times, love on a pastor. They need it. They really do. I'm blessed with a church that I get plenty of, of encouragement and love, and I know that. And boy, that makes a big, big difference on how we do things. Amen and amen. I'm going to finish with this. No applause. Okay. John 14, 27. I love Jesus' words here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid The peace Jesus offers is different from worldly peace. The world's peace is shallow. It's based, it's superficial. It's based on circumstances. My day is going good. The bears won. Whoa, whoa, I'm so happy. I'm at peace. The world's good. God's good. Everything. But then, when the negative comes, I'm down. I'm frustrated or whatever. So my peace, the world's peace, is contingent upon circumstances in life. So therefore, the world's peace is up and down. This is what it is. I have a good day, bad day, good day, bad day. And it goes every which direction like a roller coaster. While Jesus' peace comes deep into our hearts. And it's always, it's always satisfying. And it's always lasting. Jesus' peace comes out of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? It comes out of that. That's the key to Paul's peace. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ will always give us peace when we're open to that. I'm going to close with this, and when this is it. One way to confirm I believe one way to confirm if you're making that right choice in your life, one way to, to, to confirm that is whether or not Jesus gives you peace surrounding that decision. Hear what I said? That Jesus gives you peace. I found this literally be, to be true in this church. When I came here, God gave me the right, right, right directions. He said, this is how you're going to minister in this church. It's not going to be the way you did it before. 
this time you're going to follow me every step of the way. And I will give you peace. I will give you direction. If, if people come to you and say, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, and I don't give you peace, you don't do it. You wait on me. You wait on me. And I've done that. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. But more often than not, you know, I say, God, I blew it. Oh, man, I'm so used to doing things different. No, no. But God brings me back and is so gracious and so merciful. I tell you, my brothers and sisters of Christ here today, what we do, I just want you to know, for better or for worse, that your pastor is praying and praying and praying and seeking God's peace and direction. And pray that I will never give in to that, never to succumb to Satan's scheme and say, ah, but you used to do it this way. That's got to be the better way. No, Jesus' way is the better way. So, when you're making a decision and you don't feel peace, there's something uh, missing or whatever, then wait, pause, and don't do it. Wait for Jesus' peace. This is how we're fitted with the shoes and the gospel peace that Paul talks about. Hear what I'm saying? That really is the summary, the conclusion. You wait on peace. You must experience his peace. If you don't, back off. No? Amen? You know, it's really true. I sometimes tell people, how do you in, this, in the, in the, in the uh, peace category... Are you 80% peace? 75? 90% with this? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Then you need to rework it. Because God wants you to be 100% in his peace. That's the difference maker. So Paul said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And be your standard for living. That's it. How are you doing in the peace scale right now? Are you walking in peace? I don't know. I don't know your heart. But Jesus wants you to find his peace. And he wants you to walk in it. No matter who you are, how old or young, he wants you to walk in his peace. Young people, Jesus wants you to walk in his peace. He wants that more than anything. Don't put him off. Because if you, if you think, young people, that your lives are cool, that everything's great and fantastic, he's got something more for you. Just walk in his peace. Mom's dad's walk in his peace. Well, Lord, I just praise you and thank you for the privilege to walk in your peace. And I pray now for a brother or sister right here that is struggling with finding your peace, Jesus, that they might do so today, that your, the anointing of your Holy Spirit will come upon them and give them peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding. 
Thank you, Jesus. May they be freed from Satan's attacks to keep them in turmoil. That they will see clearly in the hearts and the minds what it means to walk in resurrection peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God is good.